to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God will always come through. You might have to wait longer than you want to, but that's just the way it is. There's no circumventing that. But when we're waiting, we're not waiting idly. We're not waiting doing nothing. We're walking before Him and being blameless. We've got our own relationship with God to cultivate and to work on. And as we wait for those other things, God's seldom early, but He's never late. He's right on time. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapter 17 in a message titled, God Seldom Early, Never Late. Now here's Pastor Brian. All of those things ultimately implode and die away, but the sad thing is there's a a ton of wreckage in the wake of these kinds of things. So I think just looking at Abram's life, there's a lesson in just this period of time in which he walked with the Lord, a few really powerful, critical encounters with God, supernatural kinds of things, definitely, but the majority of the time was spent just like we would spend the majority of our time. I think I could probably count on my one hand the times where I've had those, those real dramatic kinds of encounters with the Lord. You know, where God you know, appears to you, so to speak, not literally, I haven't seen him, but you know, he speaks to you in such a way that although it probably wouldn't go down as an audible voice, it might as well have been because it was that, it was that powerful. But that's not the daily experience. That's not something that happens all the time. I'd like it to happen more. But, you know, those things are up to the Lord. So here we have a 13-year period of silence But then the Lord appears to him and exhorts him to walk before him and to be blameless. Now, it does seem to me that there's probably a connection here with this exhortation and with the blunder that Abram had committed in taking Hagar and, of course, producing. It's about waiting. What are we all doing right now? We're all waiting for the Lord to return, right? And and that's the way it's been. Much of it is about waiting. Because, you see, and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So now remember, God has already established the covenant with Abraham. Remember, we saw how the sacrificial animals, how they were separated, and God alone passed through sealing a covenant with Abraham. But now God is giving to Abraham and his descendants, he's giving them a sign, an an outward sign of the covenant. 
And it's a sign that is going to be marked upon their bodies. Now, you have to admit that this is kind of a weird sign, you know, honestly. Think now, why circumcision? Why is this the, the sign that God chose? But you see, the, the lesson and the statement that was being made with circumcision. Now, if you think about it, obviously, I'm not going to get graphic here. Uh, don't want to send you home with any bad images. Um, but, you know, if you think about it just in the sense that, of course, this, this part of the, of the body, this part of the anatomy, this is uh, the part of the body from which life stems. And what circumcision is really expressing is that all life from this point on, life in this covenant is to be a different kind of life. Life in this covenant is going to be a life that is marked by a cutting away of the old, sinful life and living a new life, a, a predominantly spiritual life. And so that was, the, that was the message behind the covenant. Now, of course, as we read here, circumcision was to occur when a, when a male child was eight days old. So, so this was really something that each individual Jewish boy and man This was something in their own bodies that would remind them constantly of the covenant with God and the the intention of God in that covenant to have a holy people, to have a people who were not living for uh, the things of the flesh, but, but a people who were living a new life, a spiritual life. Now, when we come to the New Testament, Although circumcision in the, in the physical sense was and, and always has been, as far as, you know, spiritually speaking, a, a Jewish rite, uh, Paul speaks of us, believers in Jesus, as having also gone through a form of circumcision. But listen to what he says. He says, in him, you were circumcised, in Christ, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And now he explains that. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So you see what Paul tells us about circumcision in Colossians really kind of gives us an understanding of what what God's intended purpose uh, for the, the children of Abraham was with it. That it would be symbolic of the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. And so in Christ, that's what's happened to us. We have gone through this this spiritual circumcision, so to speak. Now, it's interesting that although this uh, rite, you know, was performed upon every uh, Jewish uh, male child, there comes a time in the history of Israel where God He's talking about the judgment that he's going to bring on the different nations through Jeremiah. And he says also in 
included in those nations that are gonna be judged. He says, Judah is going to be judged. And, and all of the nations that he's talking about judging, he, he kind of lists some of the sins that they're involved in, and then he always adds, because they are uncircumcised. When he comes to Judah, he talks about the sins, he talks about the judgment, and he says about them, because they are uncircumcised in heart. You see, the men of Judah were circumcised physically, but they were not circumcised in their heart. And the physical rite was just a symbol. God's intention was the physical rite was a symbol that would indicate what had transpired internally. So this is the the sign of the covenant that God has given to Abraham and to his descendants. Now, in verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. In each of these names, in each of these name changes, the Lord is is sort of tacking on his own name to theirs. Most of the the biblical names that we read, Elijah, Adonijah, go through a list of those ending in Jah, that's the name of God, Yahweh, is being attached onto it. So Sarah, so again, God is combining their names with his name. And so her name is changed from Sarai to Sarah, which means actually princess. And again, the idea is that she is going to be the mother of kings. And so I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Now here's the first time. I think that Abram should have figured out all the way along that God was gonna give him a descendant through Sarah. She was his wife. But again, losing faith a little bit, being impatient, it took Hagar. But now God makes it crystal clear. You know, obviously you didn't get it before. Let me tell you, you know, straight up, you're gonna have a son with Sarah. And so here now, the promise is becoming even more clear. You know, there is such a thing as progressive revelation. Progressive revelation means that God reveals things to us through a a process of time. He reveals a little bit to us here, a little bit to us there, a little bit more down the road here. And and of course, the the Bible is a a great example of progressive revelation. But this, this is even the case in our lives. Many times the Lord will show us, you know, sort of the first couple of steps maybe, And he doesn't show us anything beyond that. And we move out, we take those first couple of steps, and sometimes we end up waiting for a while and wondering, well, what happened? And um, then the Lord comes through and he speaks again, and he gives us a little more clarity 
on where we're to go and what we're to do. It's, it's progressive. And so we see here with uh, Abraham, it's a progressive revelation. Now it's becoming clear it's to be Sarah. She is to have a child. But listen to this, verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I mean, Abraham, he thought this was hilarious. Lord, you're kidding. Now, there's a lesson in this. And the lesson is this. God will often wait until the situation from the human standpoint is completely impossible before he acts. Now, this is where things can get really frustrating on this end for us. But if we, we kind of get that in our heads, that that you know, tends to be the way God works, it'll help us through sometimes those long seasons of waiting. You know, it was Amy Carmichael who said, God is seldom early, but he's never late. (laughs) I think in my experience, that's been true. He's seldom early, but he's never late. He comes through right on time, right at the, God knows what he's doing. And he's got the perfect timing. And what he does quite often is he allows every human resource to be exhausted He allows it all to come to a place where it's just from the human standpoint, utterly impossible, so that when he does what he's going to do, there's no question in anybody's mind about who did it. You see, at this point, there's no question. There's not going to be any question in their minds as to whether Isaac, you know, this child, you know, well, what, maybe this was just an accident. I don't know, maybe just, you know. No, it's an impossibility at this time. They've come to the point of the situation being impossible. But as we've heard before, uh, man's extremities are God's opportunities. And when you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of God. (laughs) Those, Those are true statements. And that's really part of what we see here. They've come to the place where now uh, Abraham just thinks, you're kidding, Lord, you know. Now think about it, 25 years have passed since the promise was originally given. And with each passing year, with each passing decade, you can imagine that, you know, just thinking, oh, how is this ever going to happen? And we find ourselves sometimes in those kinds of things. Lord, how is this ever going to happen? It just doesn't seem like it's ever going to work out. And the situation seems to go from bad to worse, and it goes from, you know, manageable to not so manageable to completely unmanageable to absolutely impossible. And then we think we're sunk, and that's the very moment when God comes through. Don't stop trusting the Lord. Even though the situation looks impossible from a human standpoint. If there's a lesson, there's many lessons here, but if there's one lesson, that's, that's certainly one. Don't stop trusting. 
God will always come through. You might have to wait longer than you want to, but that's just the way it is. There's no circumventing that. But when we're waiting, we're not waiting idly. We're not waiting doing nothing. We're walking before him and being blameless. We've got our own relationship with God to cultivate and to work on and as we wait for those other things. God's seldom early, but he's never late. He's right on time. And the appointed time for Abraham and Sarah was when he was 100 and she was 90. So you never know. There still might be somebody out there for you. <laughs> you still got a long ways to go. But listen to this. This is where it gets really fascinating to me. So, so God you know, tells Abraham this. He laughs. He can't believe it. And listen. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Oh, Lord, you know, that's great. That's wonderful that you want to do this for us. But Lord, you know, we're old now. I'm 100, Sarah's 90. You know, we don't have, I mean, this just, you know, we don't need this. We've got Ishmael already. Why don't we just have him be the promise? Seed. But listen to what God said. Then God said, no. (laughs) I love it. Simple as that, no. No further discussion. Oh, I know, Abraham, it sounds like this would be so much easier. You've already got a son. He's already, you know, come of age. He's 13 years old. We can just get, you know, get on down the road with the fulfillment of the promises. But no, that's not the way it's going to happen. We talked, remember, about these Ishmaels, about these times when we're trying to help out God and we end up, you know, producing these kinds of things and we bring them to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, no, just use this. Oh, but Lord, we've got this over here. Here, you can use this, Lord. And the Lord looks at it and says, no, that's not what we're doing. That's not what I'm doing. God says, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name laughter. Isaac means laughter. You shall call his name laughter. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Wow. It's happening. It's finally coming to pass. All that God had promised 25 years earlier, it's now going to happen. A lot of waiting, a lot of just being faithful in the mundane things, but God's coming through. Now, I think it's interesting with Ishmael, you know, the Lord says, I've heard you in regard to Ishmael, and I'm going to bless him. And, you know, we talked about last time some of those things, even from the standpoint of ministry, where in a ministry we can sort of 
you know, produce something in the energy of the flesh. And, you know, you can do stuff in the energy of the flesh that, you know, seems to produce some amount of fruit. But what you really want to wait for and what you want to pray for and what you want to always be looking for is that thing that God has his covenant with, so to speak. God says, yeah, I'll bless Ishmael because he's your, he's your descendant and I know you care for him and, and I care for him too. But my covenant is with Isaac. See, there's something unique with Isaac. There's something special. There's a blessing for the others, but with Isaac, there's a covenant. And when I think about that in terms of ministry, I think about you know, those things that God, he raises those things up. It's not that we created something and brought it to God and said, okay, Lord, now here, here it is. You use this. But rather it's something that he raises up and you can sense that, you know, his covenant, so to speak, is with that thing because it's abundantly fruitful. God's blessing it. And it's an abundant blessing. So Ishmael He'll be blessed. But my covenant is with Isaac. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin that very same day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. The very same day Abraham was circumcised and his son, Ishmael, and all the men of his house, born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. And so... Abraham has now submitted to the command of God. And now within his own body, there is now the seal of the covenant, the constant reminder of his separation to God and for God. And so with us, being in Christ, having been circumcised through the operation of Christ, having been baptized and leaving behind the old and rising up in the newness of life. God says to us, walk before me and be blameless. And by his grace and through his spirit, we can do that. Let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. So I want to tell you about this great book that I recently read called The Air We Breathe. And the subtitle is How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality. And the gist of the book is that whether we know it or not, all the things that we're passionate about, like progress, equality, freedom, kindness, All of these things are important to us because of Christianity. 
because of the influence of the gospel on our culture. And people hold to these values passionately, but they don't really even know where they came from. So this book, Glenn Scribner is the author. He does a superb job in just tracing all of these things right back to where they originated in Jesus and the gospel. So the air we breathe, I highly recommend that you pick it up and read through it. I know that you're going to love it, and I know it will help you in conversation with others as well. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Shrivener. You can order the book The Air We Breathe by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Air We Breathe by Glenn Shrivener to help you understand some of culture's most cherished values. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.